Today's episode of Wizards After Dark is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to wizards.robinhood.com. That's wizards.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield, APY, on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. That that laughter you hear to start this podcast is because I have Dave DeFore on the other line, and he has the uh, he has the privilege right now of watching Zion Williamson score hit I guess four threes in a row in the fourth quarter of his NBA debut and I, debut, and I'm just sitting here in a, in a in a back bedroom, I, literally the blogger in his mother's back bedroom right now. Uh, in I got in Miami, just sitting here thinking about the Wizards. Uh, you're missing an all-time NBA moment. Maybe until I mean, until we, he does the same thing in game two. This. Yeah, yeah. He he's currently. I mean, he's at the free throw line, so he's got 21 points. Whatever happens here at the free throw line, he's four of four from three. Um, and and literally just he had five points a minute ago. <laughs> he's yes. I'm I'm reading Twitter. Shocking. Yeah. Shockingly. Shockingly, Twitter is talking about this. Um, yeah, and I, I host the Daily Ding right after this. So. I can't. This is just incredible. So I imagine incredible. I'm Fred Katz, by the way. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I imagine that on the Daily Ding, <laughs> you're going to lead off the episode talking about how Bradley Beal wasn't able to get a shot off at the end of regulation after the Wizards came back from down 21 against the Heat before the Wizards eventually fell 134 to 129 in Miami. Uh, yeah. You know what really bugged me about that? Please tell me. That the, that the game went to overtime. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, so the way that they finally lost the game was just sloppy transition defense. You know, and, and this is kind of the story for the Wizards, right? Like, they have a very good offense and just not even the bare minimum of defense. They're, they're, it was just the dumbest. Was it a dunk or a layup? I can't remember. Which? Uh, but they, the, uh, um, the, the, the dunk off the back cut, you mean? Yeah, off the back cut in transition. Yeah. And it was just, it was just so – it made no sense. You've worked so hard to – to take the game to overtime. I mean, they were down 21 at one point. Get the game to overtime, and then you're within two. You got a chance. There's like, there's time left. You, it's not just that you couldn't get a stop. It's that you couldn't get a stop in transition. 
yeah. with guys back. That is just inex- uh, unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the play where they tied it on the James Johnson three, when, when Miami tied it at 118 uh, with, you know, however very little time left to go in regulation, that was like not defense either. I mean, Scott Brooks mentioned that as obviously a pivotal play. Miami tied it on James Johnson corner three. But on that play... The reason that they got a wide open three was because Beal kind of didn't make his way around the screen, and then Jan Mahimi kind of had to play the in-between and the pick and roll, and the defense had to come in because of that and collapse on Bam even harder than usual, and James Johnson got a wide open corner three. And that's what happens when you don't defend at the point of the screen. And Beal was excellent tonight. If I had, Beal's been excellent all year. Yeah, but especially tonight. I mean, look, you look at the shooting with Beal. Like, John Hollinger yeah. came out with a story today coming out with his Eastern Conference All-Stars, and he did not have Beal on the team. And part of it is that Beal's defensive metrics are really bad. His off-ball defense has not been up to snuff. Uh, and his shooting has just not been as good this year. And you look at the advanced numbers. Like, if you if you look at the second spectrum stuff, which grades shot quality and shot difficulty and all that stuff. His shot difficulty actually has not been that much differently analytically this year than it was last year. He's just kind of missing more shots. Now, you can read into that and you can just say he's just as good of a player as he was last year. Maybe a hot streak is coming in the second half where he just makes more shots. That is totally plausible. If that's your theory, tonight is a pretty nice example. He went 16 for 24. He was awesome around the rim. I mean, he was great in this game. If there was two criticism, one and a half criticisms of him, uh, it was specifically that that pick and roll play, and he wasn't phenomenal defensively all night. But that play, I thought, hurt him. Uh, and then that play at the end of regulation, and I know nobody does it, and that's why I say one and a half criticisms because it's not even really a criticism, and it's so easy to say with hindsight because Beal was really feeling it. But part of the reason that Bill was feeling it so much tonight was because he was so good finishing around the rim. And I think he got frustrated yeah. with the refs. I asked him about it after the game. And on that play, he's got Bam on him. And I asked Scott Brooks about it because he didn't call a timeout. The Wizards had one left. And Brooks said he saw that Bam was guarding Brad and he thought he had a mismatch and he wanted him to exploit it. If Jimmy Butler were on him, he would have called a timeout and drawn something up for the team otherwise which I think is perfectly acceptable logic. Scott, mm-hmm. only only a couple of possessions earlier, Brad had taken the ball up himself and used his momentum, just gone one-on-one at Jimmy Butler and just blew by Jimmy Butler one-on-one with the floor spread and finished a really nice layup at the rim. He'd been doing that all game, and he said in that situation, and he's gone at the rim in late-game situations before, probably gotten fouled and not had it called. He thought he got fouled a bunch of times at the end of that game and it wasn't called. And he said, like, it's a 50-50 chance that they're going to make a foul call if there's a foul. I'm not going at the rim in that situation. He thought he should have put up, like, a pull-up three there as opposed to working Bam and trying to shoot a step back, which he didn't get off in time anyway. But I, I just would have liked to know, it's hard when you got a big man, but if he's if he's on such a roll around the rim and he's outquicking Jimmy Butler, I, I just, I wish we lived in an alternate universe in which we could have seen Brad just say, you know what? My first step is feeling great tonight. I am taking right. you and I'm going right at the rim. And it's not even really a criticism. 
because you got to do what you're comfortable with in that scenario. Like whatever you're most comfortable with, that's the good shot. Right. But I just exactly. wish we lived in another universe where we could have seen that he he did that and, and seen if it worked. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the difference between being like a, a, a tier three and a tier two or tier one type player, right? What do you mean? Like I, I think, I think it, like you get um, – you you mentioned Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is like a a firm tier two player. Jimmy Butler in that situation, I, I think he's doing exactly what you want Bradley Beal to do there. And, and I think that those guys, and and you know, I think Beal is approaching that level. But that's a, an example of you know one of the ways he's not. I want to see him do the same thing. I want to see him trying to beat guys to the rack. And and, and by the way, you know. You get to be a superstar, you're going to get calls. But part of how you do it is you have to actually play the superstar game, and that's exactly what you said. Yeah. It's just – so part of the reason that people who say the hot hand theory doesn't exist actually say – and the hot hand theory is exactly what it sounds like. It's when you're making a lot of shots and you feel hot, are you actually hot? And a right. lot of numbers people say, nah, it's a myth. It doesn't really exist. I think they're wrong. I have read the stories. I have read the report. A lot of smart people have written about this. A lot of people who I respect and I don't agree with them. Uh, the whole point of the hot hand theory is that it's something that you feel. And But part of the reason people say it doesn't exist in things that you read about it is that a guy gets hot hitting, let's say, a bunch of spot-ups and then they heat check with a step back off the dribble from 26 feet and it doesn't go right. in. So it, it, it forces you into taking worse shots. Now that concept, I believe, but to me, that's not proof that it doesn't exist. Proof that it doesn't exist is if they keep taking those same shots and they aren't, they all of a sudden aren't feeling it. To me, that was one of those situations where it's like, what was working for Beal? And you can get hot around the rim. You can get hot with the first step. Sure. You can get hot with moves. Absolutely. You can get hot in different ways. And Beal, man, he was artful around the rim tonight. Just just killer. I mean, he was legit great around there. And he has times where he's, I think, a much better finisher than he gets credit for. Like, he was 55% on twos last year for a reason. And part of the reason his efficiency is dragged down, people talk about the three-point shooting, but he's about 50% on twos this year. And his percentage at the rim specifically is way down from what it was last year. He is a much better finisher than he's shown this year. And he showed that off tonight. And so in, in moments like that, I know guards don't really do it that often. And I understand why. You're kind of at the mercy of the ref. And officials are less likely to call calls in those situations than they are with six minutes left in the second quarter. That's just what happens. You know, People want officials to swallow the whistle at the end of games. I just wish we could have seen what happened in an alternate universe. I'm probably fixating on it too much. But... but. Maybe. But who knows? Maybe. Yeah. I thought the Wizards were fun tonight. I thought they played well. They were. They're fun. They were down 21, nights. and they, they yeah. had a killer run at the start of the third, where Jan Mahimi, by the way, was playing legit, really good defense around the rim. And they had a great run to start the third. They were getting stops. They made like 10 of their first 11 shots. They were fun. They were super fun tonight, and I thought they played. Miami's 20-1 at home. What are you going to do? That's a really good team that is nearly unbeatable at home. And uh, I, I thought they actually genuinely played really well. Yeah. 
I, I thought so too. I, again, you know, the offense is there. It's it's the lack of defense. I mean, complete lack of defense. It's laughable, actually, like how bad the defense is. And, you know, that back cut in that situation in particular just should never happen. And, I mean, you know, that's kind of a coaching issue. I get your personnel also sucks, but, I mean, that's time and score. No way you should get beat on a back cut there. You know, but, again, they are fun. I, and we this is what we've talked about now a few times this year. Um, I never watch the Wizards and and don't enjoy it. It's fun. Bradley Beal cooking tonight, it's great. Uh, you get a decent Bertans game too. Not, you know, he's not like Steph Curry out there tonight, but, you know, they're fun. But, man, they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, by the way, it's totally fine, totally fine to just be fun and bad. It's way better to be fun and bad than not fun and bad. You want to hear? You want to hear a fun thing? I haven't really talked about this on the podcast, and I realize I should have okay. talked about this on the podcast. So about a week ago or so, we finish up media availability after our practice in DC, and John, John Wall will will work out after practice. He'll do his workouts, and all of a sudden, John Wall it had been reported by by Chase Hughes at NBC Sports Washington earlier that week that John was starting to play four on four against the player development staff. And he had started maybe a few days earlier. And Scott Brooks had talked about it after the fact. And uh, we had heard about it. And we knew it was happening. We didn't expect to see it. Normally what happens after a practice, they'll finish practice. And guys will just be like shooting around at the facility, right? And, you know, we'll ask who we want to talk to. We'll tell the PR people. They'll bring over the people we want. They'll talk in the scrum. Scott Brooks will talk. Whatever players, who we ask for, whatever. And then they're kind of done. Sometimes we chill there for a little bit, but it's mostly just guys like shooting and that's it. And then they, they either tell us that, you know, a media session is over and we leave or we just kind of leave on our own. And that day, all of a sudden, we look over and John Wall is starting to play four on four against its player development staff. Uh, some guy who I did not know, I don't know who he is, but he was a really good basketball player. And Jonathan Williams, the third. And all of a sudden, he's starting to play four on four. And we're like, whoa, John is playing. Let's stay and watch this. Uh, and, and, and a few minutes in, we realized, like, John's kind of going through the motions. And a few minutes in, we're like, we should, like, take some videos here. So it's, it's me and, and Chase Hughes and, and Matt Paris from the Washington Times. And we just start taking videos and putting it out there. And all of a sudden, John Wall starts to realize that we're taking videos. And you could see it like clicked in his mind. I'm performing. Like he had played basketball, but you could see in his mind, like I'm performing for the first time in 13 months. Because John Wall is not right. just like a basketball player. He's a performer, you know? Oh, yeah. And I just wanted to tell that on the podcast because it was a really cool experience being able to see all of a sudden John Wall starts splitting double teams and dunking and he's 360 dunking and he's and he's starting to try on defense and he's literally staring down our cameras because he sees us with our iPhones not in like a get out of here media way in like a I hope you saw that world way like he he was genuinely really enjoying it and it was I just thought it was such a we, we talk about like the Wizards being fun 
I just thought it was so cool to see John Wall having fun playing basketball again. Because I hadn't seen that in over a year, obviously. And that was just, I just thought that was a really cool moment and I wanted to share it. When's he coming back? I don't think it's going to be this year. Why? Why not? I mean, if he can play, right? I mean, it's a bad draft. You already stink. You're not going to be good enough. Like, why not do the Paul George thing? Get him out there. Get him some reps. Well, to be clear, from what they say, he's not close to being cleared. Like, it's okay. it's a big difference between going four-on-four four against player development staff and playing oh, even sure. 16 minutes in an NBA game, you know? Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I think also he had a lower a lower leg injury. Takes a lot, a lot. Like he's in shape, but he's not in NBA shape. Now I don't mean that as a knock. I just mean like when you tear your Achilles and you're coming back, literally no one is in NBA shape. You haven't been able to run for a really long time and, and work out and do all this stuff. And you got to – I think a lot of it is also like you got to build up the muscle. He's he's looking great when he's going up against like Alex McLean and you know the rest of their – you know, Christy Tolliver and, and the rest of their player development staff, who, you know, we're all like either D1 and, and Christy's obviously a ridiculous player, but like right. yeah. he's looking great when he's going up against them, but it's very different when you're, you know, going up against the Utah Jazz. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he has the, the quickness part back there, like the lateral movement. Again, this is just like this stuff comes. He's not cleared to play. Like, of course, he doesn't have that. And I think they don't really – I just don't think they really see a purpose. Like I think there are a lot of instances where guys have serious inju- injuries and teams are just like at the end of the year, maybe they could come back. You can medically justify it and teams are just like, no way. Like isn't that what happened with Porzingis with the Knicks last year? Yeah. You know, like we, we've I, we've seen that. A lot of times, like from what I've been told, like even Dwight Howard at the end of last year, like could have come back at the very end of last year. They're like, nah, it's just not worth it. So I, I think I think we see that a lot, especially when you have the 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 financial investment that you have in John. Uh, I just I'm not saying that there's a zero percent chance. I just from everything that I'm told, I just get the very strong impression that he's not going to play. Like if I had to wager, I would wager him not playing. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, you know me. I, I'm of the opinion that the longer guys take coming back from injury, the the better. But there is a certain point where like I think they're going to want to try to hit the ground running next year instead of having next year be the throwaway year. Yeah. I mean also keep in mind. So a lot of people say to me – so a lot of people say to me, like, look at how he's moving. Why not have him come back? So I'm going to use this guy as an example. Uh, not necessarily because he's really close friends with John, because I can't read John's mind. I don't know if he's thinking like this. But DeMarcus Cousins is friends with John. Yeah. And the reason that even if you say, like, this guy's medically cleared, I don't want him back, is because a lot of times what happens after a really serious injury you get a compensatory one. 
So like DeMarcus Cousins is the most obvious example, right? Tears his Achilles, yeah. comes back pretty quickly. He was medically cleared. It's not like there's any sort of malpractice or anything close to that. Right. But all of a sudden, tears his ACL because he's now walking differently. And you have problems on the other side of your body, right? And so like what you need to do when you come back is not necessarily – like there was that whole thing of Zion Williamson is relearning how to walk, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Like you, That to me was such extreme language. No, it's just like you need to learn how to do things because when you come back from a serious injury, you naturally – your body just compensates. And so if you hurt something on the left side of your body, you won't even realize it. But you are going to most likely favor that side of your body. And then all of a sudden, you're more likely to do something on the other side of your body. And so like there are all of these other – aspects and things to think about beyond just re-injuring that specific Achilles that he hurt. There's so many other things that can happen and and all that takes time and he might be medically cleared and he might be at no uh you know more risk of re-injuring that Achilles than he will be 3 months down the line, but because you want to protect against all the other things that could potentially happen when you're coming back, you might just want to make sure you might say, "Okay, there's our chances are going to be 10% better of not having a compensatory injury if we wait another two months and we work with John on his gait, you know? Like there, there are right. so many smaller, subtler things that you want to iron out it's when, it's, when it's anybody because these are human beings first and foremost. But you, you really, really want to be precautionary when it's someone who's a, who's a star player who you have under contract for three more years. Yeah, I agree. So completely. That's 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 and, really why I have no. By the way, how's his jumper looking? I can never tell. <laughs> well, practice jumpers don't matter. Yeah, that's why. That's, that's, that's what I that's mean. What I can I can never tell. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what though. Uh, a really interesting thing with John is like that. I think we've discussed this before. Like, and I know I've said this on this podcast numerous times, but that dude is just a savant. When you talk yeah. about basketball with him, he watches four NBA games at night. So he sits there in his living room. He's got TVs lined up, and he watches four NBA games at night. And that dude is a savant. And one thing that that I, I don't think people who don't really like know him on a personal level, I don't think, realize that. He's yeah. really fun to talk basketball with because he just – he knows the game unbelievably. And you know how people marvel over like LeBron being able to recall plays. Like John has that same sort of thing. And if he's going to come back and be successful, I wouldn't be surprised if part of it was because all of a sudden he starts playing this headier sort of game that people didn't realize that he could go that far in that direction. You know? Because he's gotten by by being so like, a much better athlete than everybody else on the court. Correct. And, and you know, this is one of my things about like big point guards. Um, you know, a lot of them look better than they might be because they're big. And, and until you get to the NBA, like it, you, you've got this huge size advantage and, and it's why so many of them can't shoot. And I think John might've been one of those guys. The, the difference being that, you know, he's got the basketball IQ, you know, to, to do what he's been able to do in his career. Yeah. It was it was so cool being able to watch him play. I have to say. I love my job. And yeah. and I always 
I, I've probably done it before, but I, I tend to find it annoying when like sports writers complain about their jobs because it's like, you know, it's one thing to like complain privately to your friends or family or, right. or you know, like co-workers. I do to you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly or whatever but like Can i tell you my eyes are bleeding from watching so much basketball exactly well that's different yeah that's different but like you know yeah. when like uh you know people complain you know on twitter about it having to go to overtime i'm like come on we get to watch basketball for a living come on but i always love my job but at some point no matter what you do like you end up getting jaded and and watching john in that practice play four on four and thinking the whole time i was watching i was like man I'm like the first non-Wizards person who's got to watch John Wall play basketball. I'm like the first person who John Wall, me and two others, are the first people who John Wall has like performed for on a basketball court in like 13 months. How how cool is this? Like how how much fun is this? And it was just a moment where I was like, I just I I I I I wanted to make sure that I realized that it was a special moment in the moment, you know. Yeah. Because it is cool it was, to get to be there for these for these yeah. really awesome moments and chronicle these these important things, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Just because, like, yeah. it was a it was a very cool moment. We get to see stuff that other people don't get to see, and that is really cool. Like, for instance, uh, I I watched Tim Duncan uh, warm up Lamarcus Aldridge the first time before a preseason game as an assistant coach. So nerdy to even care about that, right? Like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Just Hall of Fame player Tim Duncan, first game as a coach. And I was, like, standing five feet away while he threw bounce passes to Marcus Aldridge. And I all I could think was, wow, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So I'm with you. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yours being a, a little cooler than mine. I think they're both cool. I think if you enjoy the moment – that's all yeah. that matters. And if you yeah, love yeah. if you love basketball, then you get to have really cool moments with that. Like the the thing that like people ask me if it if it isn't if it sucks to cover a, a 14 and 29 team. Now I always say like you can always find stories on any team because you got 15 people and they all have individual stories and individual personalities and especially if it's a good group of guys and they're easy to work with and they let you tell their stories then then no. Like, it doesn't suck. There are a lot of other things that are a lot more important, even though, like, it's fun to cover the playoffs and all that stuff. But the one thing that I I really don't like about it is that you just don't really get to write about the basketball as much. You know, if you're if you're covering the Lakers, you can just write about the basketball. And that's what everybody cares about. But When they're 14 and 29, it's like, okay, I'm going to write about the defense not being good anymore. Right. All right. You know, it's actually it's funny because. Like this podcast, we were going to talk about the game, and we talked about the game for like three minutes. Yeah, yeah. But but that's sort of like the point that you're at in the season for teams that are bad, right? You have to, and not to be too inside baseball on on the podcast, but um, you know, like I, I do the Portland Trailblazers podcast, um, and we're at the point where it's like, well, this team is not good. We've said 800 times the defense is bad. Uh, they they could use a trade. Blah 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 blah. Now you're getting repetitive, and so I think that what you're really great at is is you know 
the other stuff that people don't get to see, right? Like everybody listening to this show, they know that the Wizards have an awful, awful basketball team. They're fun, but they're not good. And so I, I think that the, those John Wall stories, you know, those are cool. It, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's also like a glimmer of hope for next year. Yes, it is a glimmer of yeah. hope. And we didn't, yeah. we didn't even get into the fact that Yamahimi is legit playing over Thomas Bryant now. Uh, he, he looked good, actually. Yes, he, he's looked good for a little while, but I don't think we need anything more on that. I'll save that for the next, the next episode, which, which, by the way, is uh, going to be coming on Friday morning, I guess, because this one uh, I'm going to record one in Cleveland on uh, on Thursday, second night we're back to back, and I'll record a post game show and have that up for Friday morning. Uh, this is uh, obviously the the behind the paywall. Wait, is this behind the paywall? No, this is not behind the paywall. The Cleveland episode is going to be behind the paywall. This one is going to be up and free. So if you are listening for free, I can't even remember my podcast. If you're listening for free and you don't subscribe to The Athletic, Matthew McConaughey's favorite publication, and I know that because he tweeted it today, <laughs> then you can sign up and you can get 40% off at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. And that's not just the podcast. You get the episodes that are behind the paywall, but you also get other stuff. You get um, you know, it, it, literally everything, my Wizards coverage and Michael Lee and David Aldridge and 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 Dave's, you know, 687 podcasts that he does and, um, you know, our MLB coverage and NBA and NHL and NFL and, and everything else. So uh, sign up there. In my opinion, it's totally worth it. And more importantly, in Matthew McConaughey's opinion, it's totally worth it. Uh, Dave, anything, anything else before we go? No. I want you to go watch those Zion highlights, though. Oh, oh my gosh, man. It's so great. I wish I could, like watch your face as you as you see this stuff happening. I mean, the guy legit scored 17 points in 3 minutes. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. I I I've seen none of it. I'm sure by the time this podcast is up, I will have seen it and I'm I'm sure if you're listening to a nerdy ass Wizards podcast, I I imagine you're you're diving into Zion stuff. Talk about fun. Oh yeah. Talk about yeah. fun. It, Go Amazing. go check. I'm sure Will Guillory, who's very good and is our Pelicans beat writer, is going to have a good story on Zion for tomorrow morning. So go check that on the oh, Athletic. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Leave a review on iTunes. Give us five stars. Um, that is it. I will be back tomorrow with a uh, with a not-free episode behind the paywall on the Athletic app or if you listen to podcasts there. And uh, my next free episode, if it will be otherwise, next week. I'll talk to you guys then.